Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to Far-Fetched Fables, part of the District of Wonders Network. Featuring Tales to Terrify and Starship Sofa. Everyone has a story in the District of Wonders. Come and find yours. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you are, wherever you're listening from, this is Far-Fetched Fables. Welcome to show number 160. I'm your host, Nicholas eaton Clark, and we have two short features for you this week, beginning with the flash short Mysterious Ways by David Steffen, read by Jack Calverley. David is a writer, editor, and software engineer. He edits diabolical plots and runs the Submission Grinder, a market-finding tool for writers. He recently published The Long List Anthology, a collection of 21 stories from last year's Hugo Award nomination list, and his own stories have been published in many nice places, including Escape Pod, Podcastle, Daily Science Fiction, and our very own Starship Sofa. Jack Calverley lives in central London, where he watches a very small patch of land struggle into gardenhood. In even quieter moments, he has been known to narrate science fiction stories for Starship Sofa and horror stories for Tales to Terrify. He also hosted the now-defunct Crime City Central podcast for its entire two-year run. He is a member of the Tea Party Genre Writers Group, another group called Winos and Critters.org, and is a member of the Odyssey Writing Workshop's online critique group. And now, Mysterious Ways by David Steffen. The afterlife was arbitrary, Sam Fitchner decided. There was no heaven or hell. Only one place. He'd had plenty of time to ponder since he crossed over. The hereafter was filled with endless rows of clear domes, like the one he occupied, a space of infinite size covered with a grid of cake platters. When people died, they were each partitioned into one of these domes to spend the rest of eternity. The domes didn't curve downward out of sight, but upward, so that they filled the sky like the interior of a giant sphere. And although the distance across the sphere was so immense that he should not have been able to see them clearly, he found that, if he concentrated, he could see the tiniest of details of the domes at any distance. God works in mysterious ways. So the expression says. 
and it is true, no matter what name you give him. But Sam had never understood just how mysterious his ways really were. Sam had always assumed that nothing awaited after death except oblivion. Many believe the afterlife is bifurcated to reward earthly behaviour, like toys promised to a child by parents pretending to believe in Santa Claus, and that made sense of its own, but both views were dead wrong. Sam remembered dying in a car accident, so clearly there was an afterlife, but the segmentation of souls into their respective places apparently had nothing to do with morals, and there were millions, maybe billions, of partitions, not just two. Some of the domes appeared to have millions of souls in them, though they somehow never looked more crowded. Some had just a few. Domes with just one individual are extremely rare. From his lonely dome, Population One, Sam could see into the other domes, full of people talking, laughing, fighting, loving. In his dome, a marble pedestal. Upon the pedestal, a sandwich. His favourite breakfast. His own strange invention. Peanut butter and honey with garlic salt mixed in. He took the sandwich and nibbled it. Not because he was hungry, but because he had little else to do. It was sweet and salty and rich, as it always was. Another sandwich appeared on the pedestal, taking the place of the first one. Time passed. With nothing to mark the seconds, it could have been days, or months, or centuries, for all he knew. He had little else to do but watch the other domes. A dome next to his held a huge crowd constantly drinking, talking animatedly, fighting, even occasionally screwing. Other domes were more subdued, but the people were always interacting, finding ways to entertain themselves with their meagre belongings, arm-wrestling, playing cat's cradle with their shoelaces. He ached for any kind of human contact. Even a fistfight sounded appealing just to feel real again. Pounding on the glass did nothing but send the whole dome vibrating and make his teeth ache. One of the drunks in the next dome saw him and pounded on his dome in return, laughing at the vibrations it caused and prompting his buddies to start a fistfight to get him to stop. Lucky bastard. He resigned himself to his lonely, dismal fate. Watching the other domes wasn't so bad. It was better than network TV, at least. He could make up stories about the people he was watching and guess what their lives had been like. He watched and sang songs and watched and paced and watched. One day, after unknowable eons had passed, he heard a voice behind him, soft and sweet. Hello. He spun to look, and there she was, brown hair, unfamiliar clothes, deep green eyes. Hello. Just the presence of another human being sent chills up and down his spine. He thrilled at the novelty of hearing sounds generated by a completely different person. Where am I? she asked. I don't know, 
the afterlife, I guess. The silence stretched on as she looked around, looking at the domes beyond the glass. He struggled to think of something to say, his social skills having waned considerably. Would you like a sandwich? he asked, lamely, as he took a sandwich and handed it to her. She lifted a corner of the bread and peeked inside. My favourite! As it turned out, it was the last food that each of them had eaten before they died, and they decided they must all be punished by their last meal. There's got to be a moral in all this, he said. An apple a day keeps the doctor away, she said with a smile, but a chocolate chaser improves your eternity. And blessed are those who share recipes. Well, there are definitely worse ways to spend eternity, something to which anyone who's ever queued up at the Department of Motor Vehicles can attest. And on to our main story for this week. It is Stoneworks by Claire Davon, read by Danny Kelly. Claire has written on and off for most of her life, starting with fan fiction when she was young. She writes across a wide range of genres, including romance, science fiction, fantasy and horror. Currently based in Los Angeles, she spends her free time writing and doing animal rescue. Danny Kelly was assembled from off-the-shelf components and deployed to a backwater planet for reasons that are not quite clear. He's fully equipped with a palette of superpowers that includes the ability to sleep almost anywhere, sustain optimal function by eating only leaves, and bridge time and space with just his voice. The stout of heart and keen of mind can travel with him to the hoary past and the almost future in the slightly explicit Daughter of God cast, all about the 11-year adventure of making his sci-fi post-apocalyptic surreal romantic comedy featurette. And now, Stoneworks by Claire Davon. The unblinking statue returned Raphael's gaze. It could never blink again. He wondered what the residents would think if they knew that their prized thousand-year-old marble statue was once a breathing human being. None of his creations had been visible from the Salerno building he'd been trapped on for seven centuries. He knew the statue maker's work. You didn't forget the person who imprisoned you in stone. Take our picture? Raffaello turned and focused on the voice. It was a woman of about 40 years old, although these days it was hard to tell. She had what Raffaello understood to be a camera thrust out. He had learned about cameras in the short time he'd been freed, but he still had much to understand. The world had changed in 700 years. Scusi, he said, frowning. It was easier to feign a lack of English when he didn't know how to do something, which was often. The woman sighed, favoring him with a long-suffering look. Picture, she said slowly as if Raffaella were dim-witted. Take our picture! An image of the small family encased in granite flashed before his eyes, and his palms itched. What would these people be called if they were committed to rock? American tourists? If they showed up in a park, would the government assume that some mad sculptor had put them there? Or could they imagine the truth? No English, he said, and scuttled away. He hadn't been liberated from his perch long enough to feel comfortable although he functioned better than when he was first freed. After so many centuries, the limbs had been heavy and slow the first few days. 
Now, after a month, he had regained both mobility and his powers. The sun was beaming through the square on a bright summer morning. He didn't sleep much after his long captivity. There had been nothing to do for eons but dream of freedom. Now he had so much to catch up on. There wasn't much call for turning things to stone in the modern realm, and he despaired of finding work. Despite that, he liked the new world, the busy streets, the people, and the technology. Dio mio, the technology. He had been given a small device by his liberator, a thing not much bigger than an astrolabe. With it, he could communicate with anyone in the world who had a similar machine, if only he knew another soul. Still, it was astonishing. There was a tap on his shoulder, and Raffaello whirled. Hello, friend. Do you need assistance? Hello, troll, he said, feeling distaste coat his tongue. At five foot five inches, the gargoyle was taller than the troll by almost half a foot. Tourists visiting this rural Italian town would only see two men who were height-challenged and chunky. The poor soul would have made humans gasp if they'd seen his real form as Raffaello saw it. Ugly, misshapen, with large ears and a bulbous nose. He also saw the other body that the creature wore as the mortals saw it. A man standing five foot tall, stocky, with an overlarge head and big eyes. The troll steepled his fingers, tufts of hair sticking straight out of his head, and glanced up at the brick and stone buildings of the square. Raffaello was mindful of his wings pressing against the inside of his skin, a reaction to the crooked creature. My name is Carmine he said, peering over his fingers at Raffaello. The moment stretched on until Raffaello wanted to turn and walk away. Then he realized he had nobody else to talk to. He was not friends with the man who had released him, and now that his job for the man was done, he would not see him again. After seven centuries, he longed for companionship. He had not seen the fellow gargoyle who had enslaved him, but he would look for the woman, in time. For now he was... lonely. Even if there had been others like him around, he did not currently long for his own kind. Raffaello paused and relented. What do you want? Spectacles had been a rarity in the 14th century, but the troll peered over a pair of them and then back up at the buildings. He looked to be about 200, still young by their standards. He would not have existed when Raffaello was put to stone. Through trolls' long lives, their ears and noses grew, making them even more horrible at the end. You have your stone powers. Raffaello nodded at the question. Sunlight did not make trolls explode, as human lore would have it. However, they did not prefer the daylight, so it was rare for them to be out during the day. There were a lot of wrong myths about the paranormals, all of which the gargoyle had had time to mull over in the long decades. I have them, the gargoyle said. Perhaps the other man wasn't so bad. They were talking, after all something few had bothered to do since he had been freed. Good, good, the troll said. Raffaello caught a glimpse of something in the troll's mind, cogs and parts and wheels. He focused, his powers working too slowly to his liking. The image came clear after a time. Carmine was a clockmaker? Odd choice for a troll. Why do you ask? The troll peered at him as if far away. I want you to turn me into a statue. Raffaello blinked. He couldn't have heard right. Who would want to be so afflicted on purpose? Why would you want to do that? The troll looked around, once again noting the buildings. There were a few stone creatures on the structures in Avellino, 
but that handful had all come from chisels, not gargoyles. Come, come, he said, gesturing to the gargoyle. Let me show you my shop. I will give it to you if you will do this thing. The gargoyle went, his mind whirling. Didn't the troll know what it was like to be motionless, year after year, decade after decade, with no respite? He had to have lost his mind. In Raffaello's experience, trolls weren't very smart, and this confirmed it. He followed down winding paths to a small shop off the main road. Only locals would frequent this establishment. Bridge, clocks, and watch repair, it read. How typical of a troll to have a bridge, if only on a sign. Located in the old section of town, away from tourists, the storefront had an aura of disuse. If any timepieces were repaired by this unlikely clockmaker, it was not apparent. The buildings were stone here, painted bright yellow and pale red. Permeating the air was the smell of mold. The rock walls would stand for many centuries, but cracks showed in their facade. Why do you want to be transformed to stone? Raffaello asked after taking a long look around. As bargains went, turning the troll into stone in exchange for this shop seemed a bad one. The strewn parts languished in beat-up trays, and the few desultory clocks were set to different times. It didn't look as if it could survive another week, let alone the long lifespans that he and the troll had. Raffaello disliked him, but he found himself waiting for the troll's answer. The troll rearranged some clock parts in a tray, moving them from one side to the other. Raffaello couldn't see that it made any difference. How do you take your coffee? The troll asked, pointing to a coffee maker in the small area in the back. Black. That roast they make now is magnifico. Raffaello said, kissing the air with his fingers. See, si, see, si, I know. You've been at the coffee place every day since you got here. The troll said. He pointed to a bag that was slick with oil from dark roast beans. Raffaello frowned. The troll had been watching him? He hadn't noticed. He should have been more observant than that. The wings erupted from his back and swept around the small, dusty store, knocking loose items off the counter in his agitation. Dust swirled in the inadequately lit room. Raffaello took a deep breath to calm himself and folded his wings along his spine, where they melded back into his body. He would have to replace the T-shirt that now lay in tatters, cloth moving in the thin breeze. The troll made a tisking noise, an easy task with his long tongue. Raffaello had always hated troll tongues. They seemed more like frog tongues that could snap up a morsel and retract it into their mouths. He bent, retrieving the items that had been knocked to the ground, setting them back on the grimy surface without care for up or down. Such a pity, the troll said, taking two mismatched earthenware mugs from a tray next to the coffee pot. Raffaello eyed the pot and the mugs. Neither looked very clean, an observation Raffaello confirmed when Carmine wiped the insides out with his sleeve and then poured delicious-smelling coffee into them. The troll ambled over to a device. Raffaello lost the name for it, although there was a similar one in the apartment he'd been given for six months. Refrigerator. That was it. A marvel. There was much about this age that was a wonder. Cream? The troll asked. Raffaello shook his head as he looked at the chipped pitcher. Cream was precious, and wouldn't keep for more than a few hours in his day. He hadn't used the refrigerator in his apartment, although he'd heard it humming and felt the cold. So much to learn. How old are you, troll? Raffaello knew his voice was sharp, matching his impatient mood. You still haven't answered my question. 
he took a sip of black coffee, which was very strong. Raffaella made a small moan of pleasure. So many things he had missed in his captivity. And this troll wanted to have it done to him on purpose? It would be easy, of course. A ten-year-old gargoyle could do what was needed. Even a gargoyle who'd been trapped on the side of a building for centuries could do it. Why would any creature want to suffer the fate he had? The troll poured what seemed like half the pitcher of cream into the coffee mug and added two liberal helpings of sugar. He tasted the sand-colored coffee and smacked his lips. I am 327 years old, the troll said, fixing his wide-eyed stare on Raffaello. His eyes were bigger than they should be, but humans saw none of it. Why do I want to be encased in rock? He paused, and his eyes seemed to widen some more. He set his coffee down and pointed to his small, misshapen body. They gazed at you in wonder, did they not? Raffaello studied the troll with a puzzled expression. What? The troll gestured up to the towers and stone buildings that made up the old part of Avellino. Raffaello had learned an earthquake had destroyed much of the town in 1980, but it had been improved since then. Today, the old mixed with the new. There were gargoyles on some of the buildings, but none that had originally been breathing. The humans, the troll clarified. They gazed on you with wonder, yes? I was atop a three-story building. There was nothing remarkable about the gargoyles. If they noticed me, they might have been impressed. I am alarming in my other form. He shrugged. It's hard to know. My mind is sluggish in that body, and I remember little from my time in stone except boredom and pigeons. The troll picked up some watches that lay in another tray and shook them. The nature of time is so human. He held up a small clock. Made in China, he said, flipping over the clock to show Raffaello the bottom, where a meaningless black-and-white label was stuck to the device. Think of it, the troll said, and Raffaello saw a gleam in his eye. You didn't age when you were in stone. You lived on that building for centuries. Now you're in today's world. There are so many marbles today that didn't exist back then. His eyes were black pools of fire, like dark lava. I can stop aging. It's like immortality. It was true. It could be done so the effect of stone was temporary, as it had been done with him. But he was a gargoyle. More often, once in stone, the victims never breathed again. Humans love statues. I could be beloved. They would point and marvel at the realness of it, never guessing I am inside. Then someday I will be freed, when the world is kinder to trolls. Raffaello shook his head. I had heard that trolls were not smart, and you have shown me that is true. Humans feared the unknown and the ugly, and he doubted that would ever change. He could tell there was no use in saying this to the troll. The troll's heavy eyebrows drew together. I will find another to do this thing if you will not. The gargoyle cocked his head. I think that you have asked and been denied. The look on the troll's face told the gargoyle he had guessed correctly. Truth was, he was enjoying this long parley. He hadn't realized how starved he'd been for companionship until this moment. No matter, the troll said and started for the door. There will be one who grants me my wish. He cast another look at the gargoyle. What of the one who entombed you? The gargoyle froze. What of her? She will not turn you to stone. The troll made a dismissive sound, clicking that long tongue again. She cannot do it for trolls? The gargoyle nodded. She will not do it for trolls. I made her angry. Ah, 
the troll said, as if ticking off a mental checklist. I had hoped. He stopped and shrugged those misshapen shoulders. They seemed to round for a moment, and the gargoyle felt a stab of unwilling pity. They weren't so different, were they? They were ugly creatures, out of place even among the paranormals, loved by few. The beautiful ones, the angels, elves, elementals, and the gods, were revered by humans. Those like him and the troll were unwanted and vilified. He had been good for a task, but he had no illusions that the person who had released him had any interest in striking up a friendship. He was lucky he had not been put back on the building. The man was now gone, uninterested in the subsequent fate of his errand gargoyle. The troll's eyes brightened. If I help you find her, will you change me? We could be like Hope and Crosby, traveling down many roads. The gargoyle did not know this Hope or Crosby. A smile tugged at his lips. He had so much to learn. Reluctance curled inside him at the idea of letting the troll go. I do not wish to find her, but I will make a bargain with you. If you will do as you say and teach me, we will journey and see this world. When I feel it is time, I will grant your request. Privately, the gargoyle determined that he would find many reasons to delay the day. Perhaps if he stalled long enough, the troll would stop wanting to be stoned. The troll's face lit up, and he stuck out his hand. It's a deal, gargoyle, he said, spitting on the hand before returning it to the air. The gargoyle glanced at it. I decide, he said, wagging his finger at the troll. That is to be understood. I say when it is time, nobody else. The troll smiled, his huge grin splitting his face in two. Yes. There was a world to see. Raffaello had heard about America and longed to visit. He wanted to get on the conveyance known as an airplane and see it all. He looked at his new companion. He was an unlovely outer shell, but he burned with fire. For the first time in a long time, the gargoyle could look forward to conversation and exploration. To humans, they would be two short men, unworthy of their notice. That was fine with the gargoyle. He would put off the day of the troll's transformation as long as he could. He shook the troll's hand, feeling the warmth of the spit in the palm. Come, said Raffaello. I hear there's a good bar around here. Let's have an ale and then we will discuss it. We will start traveling tomorrow. The troll nodded. Tomorrow. Today I will take you to the library. They have this thing called the Internet there. I will show you this and much more. You will fulfill your promise when you are satisfied? Raphael's imagination was already viewing the places they would go. There were so many things to learn. It would take him a long time to get up to speed. Perhaps then he would consider the troll's request. He would cross that bridge if he came to it. If he did, mayhap there would be trolls. So, a revived millennium-old gargoyle and a world-weary troll team up to travel the modern world on a dubious quest? Hey, we'd watch that show. You can find this episode's authors and bios online via the links in our show notes. If you'd like to share your thoughts on this or any of our stories, you can leave your comments on the Triple F website, our Facebook page, or on Twitter. We, that is, Gary Dowell, our editor, Mark Zanfardino, our audio engineer, and myself, your host, we love hearing from our listeners, and we want to know your thoughts on our content. As always, please leave us a review on iTunes, Acast, and other podcatchers so that we can build our listenership and keep the stories flowing. 
Please also consider making a donation on the District of Wonders Patreon page so that we can keep the podcast up and running. And now we come to the part that I'm sure everybody skips, but please listen to it. Remember, Far-Fetched Fables operates under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License, which means you can download the content and you can share it all you like, play it at parties, do whatever you like, but you can't change it and you can't sell it. And please be sure to give credit where that credit is due. All other copyright remains that of the authors, and violators will spend 700 years atop a cathedral in Salerno, and not in a fun way. I'm off to go and continue my headless chicken act. I'll see you all next week. Bye now. This presentation has been brought to you by the District of Wonders Network, dedicated to podcasting the finest genre fiction. You can learn more about the District of Wonders and their many literary productions at their website, www.districtofwonders.com. Thank you for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.